0: Welcome to the Old Spiral Podcast, episode one. My name is Brian Grimm and sitting with me is Drew Evans. How's it going, Drew?
1: Doing good. How's everybody doing? We're checking out some regional history today. Uh, We're going to be looking at a story about a place called Casey's Twist and Rock. I don't know about you, Brian, but I'm pretty excited to uh, dive into this just after the holiday season. And I know we've... Uh, postponed this episode several times due to illnesses and oh man uh, yeah brian just finished his master's degree
0: Woo-hoo. oh well no i still no? finished my thesis oh uh-huh. well yeah almost but no more classes and that in of, of itself is worth celebrating absolutely but no i had a great i had a great christmas i wrote a christmas song it's not bad if i say so myself my mom wasn't able to come over uh, she lives near Seattle, so I thought I'd make a little video of Elliot, open her presents. And yeah.
1: It, her it second turned out good.
0: Christmas, it turned out good, yeah. It was good.
1: It was good. The slideshow, the accompanying slideshow
0: was very good. Good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, iMovie is incredible.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's actually not, not too bad of a little software uh, for video editing. It's pretty much just like a stripped-down version of Final Cut. That's true, and
0: this right. is not a... Uh, what you might call it for iMovie, but it is pretty cool.
1: No, it's one hundred percent paid. Episode <laughs> one. Uh, we're sponsored
0: by Apple. Yeah, no so. one's ever heard it, but we already have sponsors. Um, but if you want to sponsor the show, please feel free to email oldspiralpodcast <laughs> us. at gmail.com. No, I had a nice holiday. Um, I, I hope all of our listeners had one. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about history of Lewiston. Um, I'm excited today to talk about music. I'm excited today to talk about bands that I could not believe came through town. Yeah, absolutely. And and we're talking about the late 50s, early 60s here. And uh, one man in particular, the Pat Patteray. Yeah. So who was Pat Patteray?
1: So yeah, let's just get into it. Pat Patteray was this guy that starts Casey's and he's originally from Youngstown, Ohio. He's a test pilot before he comes here to work as a lumber salesman. And he's just kind of living in the area. He's he's living in New Meadows in the late 50s, and he decides to start uh, Casey's Corral. And that was named after his then, at that time, three-year-old son. And it was just a dance club where he would invite regional rock groups to come up, play some shows. Everybody could come out and have a good time. Um... But it, it didn't last for very long. So in the late 50s, he's going to move to Lewiston to start Casey's,
0: right? Yeah, definitely. And what one of the things when we were doing research that kind of surprised me, it did and it didn't. I guess I kind of knew. But, you know, opening a dance hall in the 1950s and 60s, it wasn't easy everywhere. And, and right. you know, Idaho... It, wasn't hard to open one, but there are some places around the country where opening a dance hall was just highly looked down yeah. upon, and, and there's still some people in the area that held those views, and we'll touch on that later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not everyone was stoked that a right. dance hall was opening, right? So he was in New Meadows with, and that was called Casey's Corral, right? And that's where he met uh, a couple influential figures. Yeah. Uh, that made it in the music scene that you'll probably have heard of.
1: Yeah, he he really struck it up with um, Paul Revere and the Raiders.
0: Yeah. That
1: was going to be extremely influential to the success of what would later become Casey's. After Patarae moves to Lewiston again to continue his career in lumber sales. Um, And it seems like from our research that he kind of had both these clubs going at the same time. So he had Casey's Corral and then Casey's Twist and Rock, which was at 848 Main Street in downtown Lewiston, Idaho.
0: It's still there. Go check it out. The door is still there. You can see Casey's Twist and Rock. It's one of those things that you walk by and never notice.
1: Yeah, and I think after this we'll probably go down and snap some pics to put up on our Instagram, so go check those out.
0: Definitely. Not only will we have pictures on our Instagram, but we're going to go ahead and make a playlist either on YouTube or Spotify of some of the bands that have rolled through. And I think uh, as this episode unfolds, maybe you'll be as surprised as we were.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, this is essentially the equivalent of like... Some of these bands at the time were so famous it would be like if like you know Ariana Grande came and played in Lewiston, Idaho.
0: Yeah, yeah, that Which, would be a that'd be a hot August night for sure.
1: But <laughs> <laughs> at this time, I mean, we're sitting at like what thirty three thousand people. And so in the 50s and 60s, there had to have been half that. Yeah. So it's even kind of more crazy to think about.
0: Yeah, very rural. At the same time, it, they didn't have internet, and we are kind of on that route from California to Spokane right. and Seattle. And and yeah. so it's not too surprising, but still, it's it's a little crazy. Yeah. Uh, so before we get into these musicians that came through, I would just point out that so he we went from New Meadows to Lewiston, and before... Casey's Twist and Rock opened in 1962 in Lewiston. Uh, The building, 848 Main Street, Mm -hmm. it had been empty for about 15 years. uh, Mm -hmm. But before that, it was a dance hall called the Metronome Ballroom.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that was a huge undertaking for him, uh, Pat Pateray, that is, because at that time, from our research, it, it seems like he did a ton of work to Casey's to make it Uh, be the venue that it was he carried away about 10 dump truck loads full of just debris Um, it said that at the time when he opened it there was just plaster from the ceiling all over the ground and it was basically just like a rundown dump and so he goes into this renovation where he's taking out all this garbage and replacing it with these really cool acoustic tiles to kind of make it Sound great! Yeah, he designed it
0: with music in mind. I mean, that's what it was for—a giant dance floor, acoustic panels, and
1: from the time that Casey's Twist and Rock was created, it was billed as a teenage dance hall. Um. With that's non, right. Non-alcoholic. Yeah. Damages. No alcohol.
0: And it that's the way it stayed. Dancing. And it did yeah. stay. And he never. And it, for better or probably for worse, he decided never to serve alcohol there. At one point, I believe it helped him. You know. Yeah. Uh, and it gave, it gave uh, the youths something to do that was productive. I guess.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, during that time, they had several huge bands come play. Um, particularly in 1963, that was the year when he had Roy Orbison come
0: play. Yeah, Roy Orbison at the top of Roy Orbison when he had yeah. you know chart-topping singles. Yeah,
1: and I mean, not only that, but they had bands like the Wailers... They had The Ventures, and if these aren't ringing a bell right off the top, Google them. Yeah, YouTube definitely. Because you definitely have heard their songs. Um, the Ventures had a hit song, I believe it was a number one hit song in 1962 that was called Walk, Don't Run. So, it was just at that time, right when they were kind of at the pinnacle of their career. So, again, just to make a reference to Ariana Grande, I mean, these are like (laughs) big, huge artists...
0: Yeah, Justin Bieber's coming to Lewiston. Yeah, five years ago, I guess I might be a little out of the loop, but (laughs) I think he's still a thing. All right, yeah. yeah. Ariana Grande, Ariana, Billy
1: Eilish, how about that?
0: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Billy Eilish hanging out downtown Lewiston today. So yeah,
1: you have this equivalent of these huge rock groups coming and playing, and it—I mean—it goes off without a hitch. For a long time,
0: it does. It, 1962, 63, 64. Yeah. We've got um, uh, the oh, who, the champs. They, yeah. they played there, and
1: I want to say 63. And so, I mean, he moves through the years. Without a hitch, pretty well. Well, and that
0: it, first year that he opened, though, uh, October 5th, 1962, it gained popularity so quickly that the Lewiston High School seniors, they, at the you know dismay of the school board who tried to fight it, they ended up having their homecoming dance yeah, at Casey's right. Twist and Rock. Yeah, and it
1: was only a month after they'd been opened. And I think that first night we decided it was Dick Cates and the Chessmen that played.
0: Yeah, and I really tried to find a clip of their song. Um, I I swear I had heard the name before, but it probably just came from researching this. But they're a Boise group who I'm guessing they were pretty popular. I've seen pictures of their vinyl on the internet, but I haven't found any actual um, recordings from them. Yeah. But they opened it up uh, and then shortly after that uh, Paul Revere and the Raiders he had met them when he was still in New Meadows right and And they drew a big crowd they were a big big group and I think they opened the door for other big groups to come through as well
1: well and also in the research that we did it seems like um, Pat was kind of instrumental in Paul Revere and the Raiders becoming a success because in 1965 Dick Clark who is this huge TV host, by the way. Yeah, like
0: Jimmy Fallon now, right? Yeah,
1: I mean, it's on that level. So in 1965, Dick Clark is looking for a band to host um, a show that he has that's called Where the Action Is. Where it at! (laughs) And uh, apparently, as the story goes, Padere recommends that they should play, that Paul Revere and the Raiders should play this show. And they do. Uh, They follow his recommendation and they play... And this sets up a huge era for Paul Revere and the Raiders. In the next couple of years to follow, they're going to have three top ten hits. And they're going to start making nicer money for playing these gigs. And apparently, Patere was the first person to pay the band $1,000 for one gig.
0: Yeah, that does not sound too bad. And that's $1,000 for a gig in 1966-ish. Yeah. You know, that's, that's not bad at all. I don't
1: know what inflation
0: is, but that's... That was a lot. It's inflated for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then it. please, if you go on YouTube and, and look at these guys, yeah. they were they dressed like Paul like, Revere. Yeah, like Paul Revere and the Raiders. Like With the, the cowboy actual, hat the, on. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so they're Revolutionary War get-ups, and then one of the dudes wore like a cowboy hat for whatever reason. Yeah, But that was part of the reason why Padre recommended that they play is because they have this funny... Gimmick with their costumes,
0: yeah. And Paul Revere and the Rangers, they're you know semi local, they're a Boise band, right? Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. And then also, uh, Brian, we were gonna mention our sources for this episode That's before we right. got too far along.
0: That's right, our. Uh, We have two major sources. The biggest one is a 1991 article by Dale Grummert. And uh, what was that? Our Stairway to Heaven, colon... Yeah,
1: you can find that uh, by name on Inland360.com. It's Stairway to Heaven, colon, with Casey's A Lumber Salesman Turned Lewiston Into A 1960s Rock Haven. Um and it's a it's a fun little read. It's really well written and it's it's pretty cool to check out.
0: Yeah, there's also a website that we used called pnwbands.com and it's a great resource and you can see It has a giant list of, uh, an extensive list of Pacific Northwest bands and venues, and that's how we found out uh, some of the groups that that went through, and they also have interviews with people that have worked there.
1: Yeah, and And that's what what I thought was really cool about that site was most of their, I guess, information is coming directly from people that were around at this time that a, put on the show, or B, were just regular patrons of these different venues, and particularly Casey in this case. And yeah, like Brian was saying, they they just have some of these interviews where people are talking about their time that they had there, and it's just a cool site to check out.
0: It uh, is. Uh, and I don't know which, if it was the, the article or the website, they have a band called The Wailers, mm-hmm. bassist, talking about how strange it was. To get crowds in this small town in between, you know, California and Seattle.
1: Yeah, even at that time he was mentioning how they would get these huge draw of people from just this little teeny tiny town and have these huge crowds to play these shows. And granted, you know, some of them are from Lewiston and Clarkston, the majority. But there are also people, especially by 1964, that were coming down from Washington State University and the University of Idaho to attend these concerts. Um, So at this time, they're not just exclusively teenage shows. You've got people in their 20s that are coming down to check this out because, again, this is a big deal. I mean, these are huge acts that are playing and why not if you if you live in one of those towns there's nothing else to do anyways and Lewiston at that time was 20 minute 30 minute drive i mean it still is now yeah so, well
0: what's crazy is the population from 1960 to 1970 during this period almost doubled yeah. from like 12,000 to about 26,000 yeah. people and at the height of the at the height of the business i guess they had a, a show that had 2200 people in right in it which was like we calculated it we crunched, it out. I mean, it, was we like crunched it out 15 just under 15 percent of lewiston's population was at casey's twisted right. rock
1: yeah and i mean if you have a chance go down there and check it out you oh, can yeah. tell by looking at the exterior of this building that that was not a big place so 2200 people crammed into there it must have been crazy
0: yeah and so business right off the bat for Casey's was doing really well and they went really well through the the early sixties into 63, 64, 65. And then 1966 happens. And if you get big crowds, you're bound to have something go wrong.
1: Right. Yeah. And I am
0: of course alluding to,
1: this is what we have just kind of earmarked in our research as, uh, what we call the job core, riot, And again, that happens in 66. And at that time, um, there were, Quite a few job core workers that were in and around the LC Valley. A lot of them were working in little rural communities like Kamyai and Kuski. Um, and and they would come in by the busload to come check out these shows.
0: Yeah. And these job core workers, a lot of them came from urban areas, um, big cities. A lot of them were uh, not white, black, right. black, black, a lot of black kids. Yeah. Uh, and it was just supposed to keep inner you know inner city kids out of trouble and get them exposed to some work and so these kids were coming in and everything was fine for a while and then in 1966 you know whoever fights start misunderstandings a little bit of racial tension that goes with the time
1: absolutely i mean idaho of course and lewiston of course even now is still very conservative so very white a very white, and especially at that time, if you can imagine, you know, some knuckleheaded white teenage boy sees his girlfriend dancing with, you know, some black guy, it's, it's not going to go over well. So basically, stuff pops off, and about 50 or 60 of these Job Corps workers get into this huge melee with several of the patrons oh, Yeah, there. they
0: try to get their money back. Yep would not pay it. The fight goes into the street. The cops are called and yeah. end up hauling off six and, job corps members and not and just six the six cops. Casey's. They
1: called in, according to the article, every cop that was available to come and shut this down.
0: Oh yeah,
1: so it was a huge deal.
0: Yeah, and it kind of led to a shift in Casey's. And remember, this is a place where he, he never intended to serve alcohol at no. all. Yeah. You know, because he he knew what what that could bring, what kind of trouble mm-hmm. that could bring. And he also wanted it to be a teen friendly environment.
1: Yeah. So this event, the, what we're calling the job core, right? Coupled with, um, extreme competition, particularly from a venue that's called the blue hair, uh, leads to,
0: this retooling of Casey's. Well, and the, and the Blue Hair opening, and the Blue Hair was another nightclub, but they did serve alcohol. They did serve alcohol. And then that might have, you know, it didn't help the Job Corps fight, because what people would do is they'd go over to Blue Hair, and they'd right. get some alcohol, they'd try yep. to sneak it in, or they'd get a little drunk and then go to Casey's. And they,
1: uh, you know, they had bands there at the Blue Hair, but they... Obviously, we're not on the same level as what Casey's was getting. So basically, Patera is going to shut down at this time and retool. And in this year sixty-seven, he goes to Seattle
0: uh, for the lumber, yep. right? Because yep. during this time, Casey's is only open on Saturday nights. This this guy has still got his lumber job.
1: Yep, and he he goes to a convention in Seattle um, for lumber sales, which. Kind of is funny to think about like, yeah. the lumber sales convention. <laughs> yeah. But I bet it still happens. It probably does. But in any case, he's he's there and he decides, you know, why don't I go check out what's happening with the rock scene in Seattle? So he visits the U District and at the University of Washington they're constantly having these huge bands. And it's way different than the stuff that he was used to seeing.
0: Definitely. And he starts asking questions.
1: Right. And he goes to these shows and he sees Light shows for the first time, psychedelic light shows.
0: Which psychedelic light shows had been a thing kind of in the 50s, uh, and they were for uh, mostly like jazz and classical music. It was like a serious art form.
1: And that was, of course, a huge part of 1960s psychedelia and what you kind of conjure up in your mind when you think about... The '60s and rock concerts and the Grateful Dead. Yeah, the trippy these,
0: posters with the and these accompanying light shows and the light shows. But
1: the light shows started out just like you were saying as um, something that accompanied um, these classical music concerts in San Francisco. So yeah, that's he did go to San
0: Francisco, right? They, right. The people in Seattle said, "Hey, if you really want to see something neat, go check out Haight Ashbury." And this Absolutely. is 1966, 67 before the. Uh, you know, it was the the peak before the whatever you call right. it, the hangover the
1: Yeah. So that would've been the summer of love. So that would have been right at the at the huge time, the huge era of psychedelia. So he goes down there and he gets in contact with these people that tell him all about these light shows. And he's he's bought in. He decides to go ahead and purchase this stuff and These light shows were crazy. I mean, they included stuff that they
0: actually used on runways. Yeah, he got his lights from guys that put lights on runways. Yeah, so if you can imagine, incredibly (laughs) bright. And then he gets this glass film that he puts on top of it with, what was it, acetate or something? Yeah. And And then he puts dyes in it.
1: Oil and dye. And it's like a rudimentary lava lamp. Yeah. And eventually, patrons of Casey's would be hired to run these light shows and at this time he's advertising casey's as the biggest regular light show psychedelic light show between uh san francisco and chicago and it was and it was for a period of time yeah Yeah. there was one in like denver and salt lake but apparently people said that it was nothing compared to the one at casey's wow and not only does he do this light show he redoes the whole interior of Casey's to be totally psychedelic. Was mm-hmm. it like
0: black? You know, black walls lights and black lights. Yeah, and,
1: and just crazy patterns and colors. And uh, he hires local kids to make these flyers, and some of them are pretty cool.
0: Oh, definitely on our Facebook page and uh, and all that. You can we'll we'll post up some of these flyers. They're yeah. really neat. I mean, some of the psychedelic writing gets to the point where you can't even hardly right. read it.
1: Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, that's a good spot for us to pivot into what would be Casey's biggest show in 1968, just a year later, um, when the Yardbirds played. <clears throat>
0: Clapton, Jeff Beck, they had left the band. But the great Jimmy Page played downtown Lewiston with the Yardbirds, drew a crowd of 2,200 people, and rocked the socks off.
1: And apparently, legend has it. Legend has it. Jimmy Page signed the wall in the green room, and it's supposedly still there. It's not still there. No,
0: no, it's not still there. A guy went back to look for it years later, and Mm. it wasn't there. So hopefully, it's not at the dump. Hopefully, someone grabbed it. Hmm. Uh, But yeah, Jimmy Page signed his name in the in the green room.
1: Yeah, which if you don't know who Jimmy Page is, you read a book. Read a book, (laughs) dummy. And secondly. he, of course, became a huge rock star. Well,
0: Stairway to Heaven. Led Zeppelin formed uh, two years later, I think, in 1970. Yeah. Yep. And so this was just at the end of the Yardbirds. And if you want... To let your imagination run wild, which of course I do. <laughs> you can imagine a stoned-off-as-gore Jimmy Page walking around downtown Lewiston, maybe gazing up at that long stairway up to Pioneer Park and saying, look at that, man. It's a stairway <laughs> to
1: heaven. And that's that's what uh, Grummer alludes
0: to in the, in the article as well. <laughs> uh, we can dream, else? man. We I can mean, dream. It's so? just as true as you make it. That's right. That's right. yeah and and the
1: reason why i was thinking about that particular concert in regards to the psychedelic era is that um we found a a listing on some website where they had the poster the poster from that show sold for like almost three grand no i thought it was 1500 i thought it was like 2800 bucks oh
0: you're right i think it was 2800 bucks yeah yeah uh, but just some insane amount, but it, it exists out there. If there's any rich, um, if there's any rich tonight so uh, are listening and want to buy us a 1968 Yardbirds poster, um, that would be totally sweet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm looking at it right now. It's fantastic. Oh, that's not the right That's
1: one. at the Fillmore. Ah, it's well, a cool poster, yeah, though. it's
0: still a cool poster, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but so this was its this was its peak. You can argue that you know the Roy Orbison, the Ventures, the Champs, the early sixties. You know, the, the, you had the people that were at the top top of the billboards playing there, and that was a yeah. great time. But to have one of the biggest light shows, um, that's incredible.
1: Right, and and you know, despite those bands like Roy Orbison and the Champs being a big deal, they weren't pulling Yardbirds crowds.
0: No, they weren't. Yeah. No, and, and so I went online and I looked up some set lists that the Yardbirds were playing in uh, 1968. So if you were at that concert, there's a really good chance that you heard uh, Dazed and Confused, um, uh, The Train Kept a Rolling, uh, Hey Joe, which was a cover, um, and, and so just a few like that. So if you want to go online and listen to some of those, you can get the full experience.
1: Yeah, and and I mean, during this time, there's also... Other huge bands of the psychedelic era like Blue Cheer played and oh, they're f- yeah. they're famous for summertime blues.
0: Um
1: Steppenwolf played before they were called Steppenwolf. They were called
0: Sparrow. They're called Sparrow. And um so this actually brings us into a really interesting uh, uh, period of music in America. Sparrow, there were a few fake sparrows going around. Yeah. So it's a very good chance that step that pre Steppenwolf Sparrow was playing, but in my research, which we'll get into in a, in a minute about fake bands. Mm-hmm. A lot of phony, like, uh, sketchy record companies would send out bands saying, oh, mm-hmm. it's this band, but it wasn't. Right. We'll get into that a bit later. But, yeah, all these cool bands, Steppenwolf, we'll just call them Steppenwolf. Yeah. Steppenwolf was there, Blue Cheer. Um. And
1: this this era was, you know, while it was great for Casey's and absolutely less violent, um, this psychedelic era, what we're calling the psychedelic era of Casey's, is ultimately full of pitfalls and and leads to the demise of Casey's, and it, it happens is. for a number of reasons.
0: It does, and and but Pat Patre did say when they went to psychedelic, the crowds got nicer, there was less trouble on a regular basis, right. yep. but there were a few events that. It, um, That caused a lot of trouble and I think kind of ultimately led to to the demise of Casey's. Just kind of made it more trouble than it was worth for that. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So one of the first big pitfalls that comes up is um, just a year after the Yardbirds play in 69 on October 5th. um, The Lewiston Tribune runs an Associated Press article about um, how psychedelic music is dead. And it kind of was by that time 69 haight Ashbury had turned into just this like pitiful remnant of what it used to be. It was like a really touristy thing for people to come check out the hippies.
0: Yeah, Hunter S. Thompson has that quote at the end of Fear of Loathing in Las Vegas about that wave washing back uh just after right. all that period. Yeah. I wish I remembered the quote, but it it's a really like cool quote, quote, and I yeah. know exactly
1: what you're talking about, but I don't remember it. Yeah. Um but anyway, in this article, um, It talks about how Art Linkletter, who was a big celebrity at that time, um, his daughter had plunged to her death. While uh, on acid. While on acid the the night previous to this in Hollywood. But on October 5th, that same night that that article ran, um, a 16-year-old girl had overdosed on a
0: concoction of different drugs. Yeah, which they're calling acid. Yeah. Like you could overdose on acid. Kind of. Kind of. Not yeah, really. the acid bad trip isn't a quantity thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: and but but in any case it it kind of smears the perception of the public as to what Casey's is about.
0: Well yeah, and the psychedelia and Pat Pataray, he he never wanted to serve alcohol. Mm-hmm.
1: Definitely not, and I mean, he definitely didn't want to have his nightclub as being associated with drugs. But with with this event, this girl is then hospitalized. She doesn't die. She she's in critical care for a few days, and within a few days, her her uh, drug induced paralysis of the lungs goes away and And she's released um however, it again leaves a mark on the community and one guy is particularly unhappy about this um he's a Pentecostal
0: minister named pentosco Ray- yeah Pentecostal Pentecostal. <laughs> Pentecostal little dyslexia yeah. I, I pointed that out now i'm I'm the ass for pointing that <laughs> out <laughs> you're fine Pentecostal <laughs> minister Raymond Tucker yeah Lewis this guy.
1: He's a huge jerk. Uh, he starts a petition to close any and all establishments in Lewiston uh, in which drugs are associated in any way or or drug uh, takers yeah. congregate. I mean, it
0: goes to the city council eventually, doesn't it? Right. And then Pat's got a nice quote, something about yeah. closing drug establishments.
1: Yeah. So so this jerk off gets <laughs> 1,300 signatures together. Um, and yeah. and the, the city council is like, no, we're, we're going to keep this place going because we, we think that it is a healthy outlet for kids. But what, what the quote was that Pater pattern had, um, that Brian was talking about is if you're going to close, uh, Casey's, then let's to, in order to so- solve this drug problem, let's also close and W let's close the drive-in theaters and yeah. <laughs> let's, let's close down the football fields and the basketball courts. Yeah. So he's having a little bit of fun with this guy. Um, but, but anyway, he's able to, to ride the storm in this case. He is. But, but also by 69, the bands just aren't as good. Right. Well, how
0: are you going to get better? You can't top Jimmy Page and the Yardbirds unless you think you're going to get right. Led Zeppelin to come Although
1: he him. did want Jefferson oh, yes. Airplane to play.
0: Yeah, he, he was. He just was a music lover, and he, he had a nice place for kids to come and listen to music. Mm-hmm. Things went a little sideways, and yeah, the music kind of never got as good after the Yardbirds played, and it was kind of a strange time in American music history. So that night that the girl overdosed um, at Casey's, uh, a band called The Zombies were playing, and I think their song was uh, Time of the Season.
1: It's a time of the season when love runs high in this time
0: again we're gonna put a bunch of songs up make a playlist definitely go listen to it check it out yep um we'll put links to that on the facebook but the zombies were an english band and i'm gonna make this as quick and as clear as possible it gets a little confusing but i've practiced so it should be okay (laughs) (laughs) all right so short story Zombies were a band in the mid to late 60s from England. They came over, had marginal success right. in 1968. They record a, kind of a final album. It goes out. It does okay on the charts, but not good enough for them to stay. So at 68, they go back to England. And uh, they posthumously, the record label said, oh, we've got this song. It didn't make it on the album. We're going to release it. It was this time of the season. And uh It just, it goes crazy. It doesn't do so well in
1: in the UK, right? No, it doesn't. But then it does really well in the
0: US. US. But these guys there in England, they don't hear about their success because communication wasn't such a big thing back then. And they'd all
1: gone back to like regular day jobs Mm -hmm. by then.
0: They had. And so these record companies were like, wow, we've got this number one hit, but no band to go tour around and make money off of it. Right. And so there was a record company in, um, I think it was Michigan... Who hires these kids from Dallas, Texas. It was this group of four. The original uh, zombies had five. Right. Uh, They bill them as the zombies. This group learns their one famous song and then just plays all the rest of their own songs. Right. And uh, here's where it gets a little confusing. So there's fake zombies A. Who weren't very good? They played a bunch of blues rock. No, they weren't. They weren't not bad, but they did not sound like the zombies at all. Well, and not only that,
1: but wasn't there like some sort of characteristic about one of the members of the zombies? Like, wasn't he super tall? Or <laughs> no,
0: something? he was really short. He was really short. <laughs> he was really short. And then they were kind of catching on, and they sent someone like to go the crowds watch. Were him. like, what the hell? Yeah, they're like, yeah, aren't you supposed to be British? Yeah, where's your keyboardist? And the 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 band would say, oh, our keyboardist got busted in the last town. He's in jail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff yeah. like that. Uh, okay. And so there are Zombies A, there's Zombies B. And Zombies B actually sounded like the Zombies. And what I was able to do, I was able to track both Zombies into Northern California around October. And the reason I'm differentiating the Fake Zombies A and the Fake Zombies B, because Fake Zombies A had two of the three original members of ZZ Top who formed the year later. (laughs) And you can go on, Rolling Stone did an article about it. There's a few different articles I found where I think it was the guitarist and the drummer uh, of ZZ Top, they were in this fake zombies band. And I think they were the band in Lewiston the night that Acid Girl <laughs> the overdose. <laughs> the overdose happened, uh, which is really interesting. And it kind of, I don't know, to me, it kind of signifies this downslide, not only for Casey's, but maybe some of the psychedelic rock and yeah. integrity of the music that it, it had been up to that point. Well,
1: because they weren't the only fake version of of one of these bands to play there was also a fake version of the animals there was also a fake version of buffalo springfield um which did not include neil young or Uh,
0: steven stills nope and and like we mentioned earlier the sparrows that may or may not have been the sparrows that became stephen stephen wolf
1: right and so, I mean, everybody's starting to kind of get hip to the fact that these fake bands are playing, and they're they're getting like a cheapened experience right that's not as good as like seeing the yardbirds or you know one of these other huge bands that is in fact the genuine article
0: and pat at the time i mean he still got his day job he's doing this for fun yeah you know they're only open all the stuff with this tucker guy you know i'm 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 assuming here it just kind of stopped being fun and then something tragic happened yeah in what
1: 1970 yep in 1970 um uh Padere used to hire off-duty police officers to run security at his at his venue and unfortunately
0: um one of the one of the most favorite he was one of the most popular security officers he was off duty at the yep. time hanging out kind of in the back behind yeah. that row on Main Street His name
1: was Ralph Russell and yeah. apparently he was extremely liked by the clientele um, he was slain by gunfire, and he was actually in the line of duty as a police officer. He just happened to be near Casey's, oddly enough.
0: It was, yeah, and bank robbers. He was after a couple of bank yep. robbers.
1: So in 1970, he was slain near Casey's across the street in a bank, which I believe now and even still is Wells Fargo. Back then, I think it was Wells Fargo. Hmm. Um, And a bunch of patrons of Casey's actually pooled together a bunch of money to pay for his funeral and then support his wife and children that he left behind.
0: Yeah, and what I was able to find was, and I can't remember the date, it was within the last 10 or 15 years, one of those people that shot him, I wasn't sure if it was the guy that actually pulled the trigger, I think it was. Mm -hmm. He's in jail around here, and he was up for... Uh, some sort he went up for some sort of parole then got denied recently so he if he's still living he's still in jail Hmm.
1: well and and i mean this is another one of the big pitfalls because while it didn't happen you know while anything was going on at casey's it's still one of those things that happened nearby and it was still kind of a a thing that you know but cast a lull over everybody's spirits that was yeah, involved in Casey's. Yeah, because he was a
0: regular uh, at Casey's, as, and everybody liked him, and everybody liked him, so it's just yeah.
1: But meanwhile, while all of this is happening, that Tucker guy, unfortunately, is Still not at done. It. Yeah, he's not done trying to cause chaos. This guy. Um for for Casey's, and he apparently is trying to poke a bunch of holes in the safety of Casey's by reporting a bunch of fire hazards.
0: Real killjoy.
1: Yep. And unfortunately this kind of did work and Padere had to go and, and improve the the
0: nightclub. And he did try a few times. He I did. think.
1: And, and it was successful. He got it going and got everything up to code. But I mean, by this time, it's it's really only open on a spotty basis, and they they just don't have very many regular shows, and it's only open a couple times a year.
0: Yeah, if you're just doing something for fun and it stops being fun, I mean, yeah. what are you going to do? So so this is around 71. 71, yeah. and, and he kind of limped it along for another couple years. Well, uh,
1: another huge blow comes in 72, Ooh. because in 72, um, they lower the drinking age in Idaho from 21 to 19.
0: That's right.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So now at this point, um, you got to remember there are several different clubs in and around downtown Lewiston that these 16, 17 year old kids that normally would have patronized Casey's could now go and check out these bars with a fake ID yeah. because the drinking age is lowered and they, they look passable. And so now they're hanging out in actual bars instead of um, like a teenage nightclub. And so, I mean, it's just, down to a trickle as far as how many nights they're open. And, uh, then in 73 Casey's really hits another snag when Padroy moves to Grangeville because that's where his job takes him. And, uh, by 74, he moves to Portland, and he just lets the lease go.
0: Yeah, and he said he never really was in it to make money, and, I, and I, I'm pretty sure there was a quote of him saying, you know, at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure I just traded money. Right. You know, I don't think he lost anything. I don't think he gained anything.
1: Yeah. Well, and like you pointed out earlier when we were just discussing um, Casey's uh, before we started recording, he actually lost money on that Yardbirds show. Oh,
0: yeah, he lost $1,000 on the Yardbirds show where 2,200 people came. Right. Which makes me wonder how much he paid the Yardbirds. Yeah, must have been substantial. A lot. Yeah. Well, and who can blame him? I mean, Jimmy Page was, you know, amazing. Right. I mean, <laughs> well, and the rest of them. I, I wish Keith, oh, man. I don't remember the Yardbirds. It was Keith something. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a good singer. There was a fantastic group. Yep.
1: And, and I mean, the Yardbirds at this time were kind of the pinnacle of of rock music at that time. And um, until, like, Jimi Hendrix comes along, they're kind of it. They're kind of the big deal.
0: Yeah, um, and so Casey's 74 finally decides to call it a day.
1: Yep, yep. Um, because by that point, Pat had no connection to the Valley in any way. He's living in Portland, and I think he just got burnt out um after all these snags and pitfalls happened and so ultimately they close up and apparently they they reopened it for like certain community functions like high school reunions oh sure yeah
0: they had a couple here and there but i think finally the building deteriorated to the point where they just didn't want people in there anymore yep
1: yep so i mean the structure still stands it still says casey's Twist and rock on it and um I didn't even know that this space existed no. until after, um, we were tasked with trying to find, uh, information to write about these spaces. Um, we were, we we're actually supposed to write stuff for a junction box. It was like a vinyl wrap that they were going to put on these electrical junction boxes. And I was just tooling around downtown cause this was for a class and, I mean, there wasn't anything that I saw around there, and I happened to look up and see Casey's Twisting Rock, and that's what started me finding out about this place because I was like, what the hell is that? And right. I, and
0: it's one of those places that you walk by a hundred times, and, and maybe you look at the door and say, I wonder what was in there, and then yeah. you just keep going.
1: Well, and now it's actually really visible because... Oh, they trim the trees. They cut the tree Yeah. Completely. Oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. The tree's yeah. gone yeah. now. So there used to be a big, huge tree that obstructed that part that says Casey's Twist and Rock if you are mm-hmm. just in your car passing by. But now you can see it plain as day. So go down there, check it out, um, take a look at what once was. And I don't know, I mean, I just think that in my lifetime learning about history of Lewiston. This is definitely one of the coolest things that I've come across.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. And I, I'm excited to have this podcast I'm and, and to learn more about stuff like this and to be able to share it. I yeah. mean, uh, if there was resource like this, I would, I would definitely be interested.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, we just want to thank you guys for checking out this first episode. We hope you tag along for the next few that we come out with. Um, they may be Casey's related, they may not. But in any case, we have on the docket here a lot of different topics to cover, from history to current events, and just cool people that live in our little town that we want to talk about and celebrate.
0: Definitely. And uh, our first few episodes, it's kind of a little fun trip uh, down Music Lane. Of course, Casey's took sixty to seventies. Right. Uh, we've got a fun. We've got a fun topic planned for, uh, next week, uh, Mm -hmm. that covers some music, uh, more towards the eighties and nineties. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll get out of music after that and we'll cover some other topics, but uh, yes, thank you for listening. Thanks for bearing with us on our episode one. Yep. Um, and hopefully we'll just get better and keep coming at you.
1: And don't forget to check us out at old spiral podcast on Facebook and Instagram And then don't forget to check out our curated playlist on YouTube as well. And you can also search for that by searching Old Spiral Podcast.
0: Yeah, and if you guys have any questions about the show or comments, please email us at OldSpiralPodcast at gmail.com.
1: All right, guys. I think that's going to do it for us. That's it. Thank you. Thanks for listening.